I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it, move it. You like to move Bone Tomahawk, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to I Like to Movie Movie. Today I have a special Halloween special for you. Um, it's been a wild night. I've been trying to record this so many times. My computer broke. I buy a new computer. I fell down the stairs. I got stuck at work until 8. It's been a wild day. I only slept a couple hours. I spent all night sweating, which I gotta say, if you're ever thinking about taking a break from sleep and just sweating all night instead of sleeping, I don't recommend it. It, it was really not a good idea. I don't know why I went through with that. I am dead tired. And uh, I'm also in the middle of Sober October. I decided to jump on the train of Sober October solely because October rhymes with sober and I wanted to cut back on my vices. This season is the best season for beer, so I'm hoarding beer so that come November 1st, well, November 3rd, because I came up with the idea on October 3rd, uh, on November 3rd, I will be able to drink again and I will have so much pumpkin beer and so much fucking Oktoberfest in my fridge that it will be awesome. Um, huge shout out uh, to a fan of the show who I ran into on the Asbury Park boardwalk and uh, she let me know that she misses the Bone Tomahawk intro so I dropped that in there for you. Thank you so much for listening. Um, as always you can find the show at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things and uh, let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to do. So my completely sober but high on lack of sleep uh, and I also, you know, and I am drinking a red eye coffee, so uh, that that is not fully sober, I guess, because that is a chemical going into my body to wake me up. But I'm telling you that it is an emergency, and I need it. I'm fucking delirious. But here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna take a quick commercial break to get the ad out of the way, so that I can pay for the new computer that I just fucking bought, because the computer that I'm recording this on is a piece of shit. This might not even work. But uh, what we're going to do is take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, uh, I am going to do a solo commentary track for Halloween Kills. Now, a little bit about Halloween Kills. This is a movie that I did not like when I first saw it. I thought that it was kind of a bummer, and uh, just, just kind of shitty overall. But in the time since seeing it in the theater... I have bought the 4K disc, and I've watched it countless times, and I've really grown to love it. I can't quite figure out why. The best guess that I have is that... <clears throat> excuse me, espresso burp! The best guess that I have is that it's the closest in tone to a Jason movie, and Jason is just the best. Those movies are so much fun. Um, the only difference being that Halloween... I mean, the, the first Halloween was kind of the classy slasher. You know, it's not like a titties and blood kind of thing. There are titties at the beginning, but it's not, you know, meant to be titillating the way it often is in a Jason movie. It's just kind of meant to be... Uh, exploitative is not the word, but uh, eh, you know what I mean. It's the classy slasher. It's not that big into gore and splatter and things like that. 
And Halloween Kills very much is. It's not a titty movie, but it is very much a splatter movie when it gets to that. So, um, yeah, we're going to do a little commentary track. I will be watching the extended cut. It's a couple minutes longer. It's a couple splatteries splatterier. And, um, I don't know, we'll have a lot of fun. We'll see what happens. I've got thoughts about it. And, uh, yeah, so it is what it is. So, uh, we'll be right back after this message from our sponsors. <laughs> Hey, uh, just put a little insert here. I was advised by uh, Audacity and my dog shit computer that there might be a couple of audio dropouts in the file. Um, all I can really do at this point is apologize for them. Uh, I don't think that it's actually going to affect the recording that much, but if it turns out to be an issue, um, podcasts are free, so you'll just have to deal. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get started with the commentary, I'm going to do something a little self-indulgent here. I'm going to read you my original review, which is available at scullyvision.com for Halloween Kills, titled Halloween Kills, the fourth and final Halloween 3 is the worst Halloween 3. <laughs> there are so many Halloween 3s. First was Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, the third movie in the Halloween series proper. Then came Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, which, by way of Myers' return, and the return to the original canon, functions as a third entry. Then comes Halloween H2O, 20 years later, which ignores everything after Halloween 2 and acts as a trilogy capper for the Laurie Strode storyline. The fact that the title invokes water, but the film does not, does not makes for an incomplete titling convention, but the movie is so good that I don't care. And now, with our current Halloween canon, comes Halloween Kills, the new third entry in the new Laurie Strode canon that ignores everything but Halloween and its sequel, Halloween 2018. Does your head hurt yet? Don't worry. The best way to handle such a convoluted chronology is to ignore it entirely. The Halloween franchise has become a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing, and that's fine by me. Everybody has their favorite canon, mine being Halloween, Halloween 2, and H2O, and every canon has its pros and cons. It really depends on what you want from the slasher that sort of started it all. The new arc, which aims to course correct after a long line of sequels, fell into all the typical trappings of a long, long, long slasher franchise, was given the cultural green light when John Carpenter saw the script for Halloween 2018 and indicated that the writers truly understood the material. I disagree, but I'm also not so married to the material that I care very much. Halloween 2018 is dumb as all hell, but it's a well-made movie that's a blast to watch. Halloween Kills, however, makes it clear to me that John Carpenter, a man who simply demands to be paid for his work, no love lost to the master, but his escape from New York lockout lawsuit was bullshit of the highest order, saw an opportunity to lend his name to a project and give it new life, while also receiving a fresh paycheck. Nothing but respect for this move, but it was quite a demystifying revelation once it hit me. Halloween Kills does not feel much like a Halloween movie and does so little to further myth the mythology of the current canon that it feels like filler. This is to be expected to a degree, but the alchemy which leads late-stage slashers their which sorry, <laughs> the alchemy which lends late-stage slashers their charm is not present here. Halloween Kills is not boring, nor is it incompetent, but and I say this with full realization of what slasher sequels tend to be, it's extremely corny. 
overwritten to the point of being underwritten. An excess of plot happens, but there's no story at all. It's also not very scary. Picking up the moment the previous installment ended, a squad of firefighters are dispatched to squelch the flames that, unbeknownst to them, are currently torching an imprisoned Michael Myers to death. Let it burn, yells Laurie Strode to a parade of passing emergency vehicles before falling unconscious from her wounds. The first responders don't hear her, but soon enough, they're all dead, and Michael Myers is back out on the streets, ready to fuck up anyone who gets in his way. Meanwhile, a bunch of survivors from the very first film, now all grown up and weirdly unhinged, have decided to put an end to Myers' reign of terror once and for all. Tommy Doyle, played here with a respectably intense but unintentionally hilarious edge by Anthony Michael Hall, plans to do this with a baseball bat, which has been given a name for some fucking reason, while his increasingly large gang of angry Haddonfieldians plan to do the same with... more baseball bats. The film follows this crew much more than it does the Strode ladies, who barely appear at all, putting an end to the already weak assertion that the new canon is some sort of groundbreaking feminist text. Laurie, a.k.a. Grandmother, as her progeny clumsily refers to her, spends most of the film unconscious in a hospital, while her offspring bounce into and out of the plot in non-notable ways. They do stop to mourn the loss of Ray, the husband-slash-father who was unceremoniously killed in the previous entry, but the way it's written is, once again, unintentionally hilarious. The kills are more brutal here than in much of the franchise at large, but none are particularly imaginative, and most are shot in a way that carries no weight. Michael Myers should be an oppressive force that exists on the periphery of even the most peaceful scenes, but he's a non-entity here. Ooh, coffee burp. Even when he's shattering a fluorescent light bulb and shoving it into a woman's throat, there's no shock value or sense of fear. It feels oddly perfunctory. Another instance, in which Myers crushes someone's head with his bare hands, is shot in a way that feels half-committed. This is a gross, high-gore moment that plays as an afterthought due to the way it is framed. In fact, a lot of this movie's energy is lost in poor framing and clunky editing. And it's weird, because director David Gordon Green shows a strong command of such things, Oh, I think I have a package waiting for me. Hold on. Sorry about that. Had to uh, go downstairs to pick up a package that I didn't want to miss because it's a package that contains the 4Ks of uh, Halloween 4 and Halloween 5. But um, anyway, back to my review. God, I'm such a professional. <clears throat> All right. And it's weird because David Gordon Green shows a strong command of such things in the multiple sequences which flash back to the events of 1978 for the purpose of some light retconning. These scenes look and feel as if they are lifted directly from the original film. It's remarkable how accurate they are when the rest of the film feels so messy. Granted, the present day sequences shouldn't look like something from four decades ago, but they should at least show a basic aptitude for visual storytelling. There's a fine line between scrappy and sloppy, and this tends to err on the side of the latter. Where the film succeeds is in pacing. There's very little downtime once the action starts. So even though it's regularly boneheaded, the characters all behave in a way that could charitably be described as dangerously stupid, it's never boring, and it's far from the first slasher sequel to be this dumb. I like the aggro energy that the film has. I like that it's mean. I like that it's very much trying to make the viewer uncomfortable. I like that there's an attempt to comment on the intoxicating nature of mob mentality. But it's just so corny. Halloween 2018 had some nice comedy moments that work, as well as a few that didn't, but Halloween Kills seems to be at war with itself at every turn. 
the zany gay couple, one of whom is Michael McDonald of Mad TV fame, sure tries to evoke some humor, but it's a weird bit of intended goofiness in a sea of unintentional goofiness. No two scenes feel like they're from the same flick. What's weird about this is that there's an alternate universe where every criticism I've leveled against this movie is actually an asset, but something about the recipe is off. By the end, however, Halloween Kills does reach a respectably batty pitch, finishing on a note that has me just as excited for the next, and final, entry as I've ever been. So I gotta say, reading that now, I don't necessarily disagree with anything I said, but I think that my perspective on it has shifted to such a degree that, that I've, I've entered that alternate universe that I was referring to, and I, I now do appreciate all of the things that Halloween Kills was going for. So before I get started on the commentary, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to do an audio unboxing of this package that uh, unceremoniously interrupted my uh, recording here. But I got to say, the mailman was very nice because we live above a plumber shop, so the doorbell reaches both of us. And it's funny that our mailman is always like, do, do you get the thing? <laughs> Bro, just give me my movies. So this is from the Scream Factory sale. Oh God, I love opening movies. And so I picked up a couple really awesome 4Ks. Um, the first being the collector's edition of They Live. I also got Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers and Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. And I gotta say, after a really rough night, this is a nice little salve on my ass that's bruised from falling down the stairs, from my ego that's bruised from breaking my computer, and from my emotions that are bruised from doing Sober October. So, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna set up the film Halloween Kills Extended Edition and I'm going to let you know when to hit play, and hopefully it'll line up as closely as possible. Uh, we'll see how it works. It's not going to be perfect, but, um, you know, fuck it. So here we go. I'm going to press play on Halloween Kills Extended Cut in three, two, one, play. So already, I, I'm just a sucker for this universal... Thing. It's, oh god, I love the Universal logo. Although I do like the old one that's like kind of claymation-y. But this one is pretty cool! I do always find it, when I said in my review, the demystifying aspect of uh, John Carpenter. I love that man. I love him, I love him, I love him, I love him. But there is nobody on the planet who is more interested in making a buck than him. And I, I do get it. I get that he was not always the most re well-respected filmmaker until, like, after the fact. And then he sort of had, like, a dip in the 90s. And so he's a motherfucker who's gonna get paid. And he is going to say anything to make sure he sells it to you. And I respect a huckster so much. Because, like, you gotta put on a show. You gotta do that. But um, that lockout... Uh, lawsuit is absolute bullshit. If you're gonna sue Lockout for being similar to Escape from New York, you've got to sue like, like a hundred other movies too. You know, they're they're not really that similar. And here's the crazy part: I'm about to say something heretical here. Escape from LA is better than Escape from New York, and Lockout is better than both of them. All right, here we go. 
This is always a funny touch, uh, having um, uh, Cameron E. Lamb uh, <laughs> spend this whole movie as, uh, as uh, what's her name? Bonnie? I can't remember Bonnie and Clyde's name. What's really funny is Lonnie Lamb, Cameron's father, is, uh, he's a character that, that I, I always thought his name was Lonnie Lamb, but apparently it's Lonnie E. Lamb? I don't know if that's a new development or if I just heard it wrong because they only really say it once in the original. But, eh, so it goes. This actor, though, he's sort of like a, um... He's like Bobo Ezra Miller. Like, Ezra Miller without the complete fucking psychosis. He's got that Ezra Miller vibe. That said, Ezra Miller, all of their problems and all of the things that they have done that is awful, I gotta say I'm still a fan. What are you gonna do? Now this guy, my God, fuck, what's his name again? Will Patton? Oh, Will Patton. Will Patton is a char character. Will Patton is a character actor, and he's a he's he's of the Macon Blair of a world where it's if he shows up in a movie, the movie can't be all bad. Even in a terrible movie like um, the Mothman Prophecies, Will Patton shows up and makes it better. He needs to die. I'm the one who's gonna get him. I'm Batman. Now this part I've always appreciated. I love, love this throwback because it really does capture the vibe of 1978. And this guy, he's a believable young Will Patton. Man, Red Eye Coffee is it? Man, even in, even in the 70s, cops, real trigger-happy. Now, I get it. I would want to put some bullets in Michael Myers, too. But uh, nowadays, fucking cops, man. Real assholes. Every last one of them. Yeah, I'll get on my political soapbox for a second. I'm a big fan of all cops are bad. Until no cops are bad, all cops are bad. Even the good ones. I'm an anarchist. What can you say? That's one of those things I would never do is dip my hand in blood. Blood's nasty, man. Now this guy, Jim Cummings, he is the coolest. He's like, just out there making it happen. He's a stone-cold hunk. He's funny as hell. He's a good actor, great writer, just great director. Just one of those dudes who made it happen on his own. And uh, now he's in a Halloween movie. Gotta love it. He even feels like he's from the seventies, too. I love this shot. I love the idea of Haddonfield being sort of a suburb to, I guess that's Chicago that we're looking at in the di distance. But this really does feel like the same Haddonfield as in the original film. You're just sitting here taking it from this bitch. Look at this ugly little fucker. 
they cast Lonnie really well here. He does look a lot like the kid from the original. He also looks a lot like uh, Robert Longstreet, who plays him as the adultness. These kids are little bitches. That kid looks like he's a member of the O'Doyle Rules... O'Doyle Rules clan from Billy Madison. I love a cop who's just like, kids, you're in danger. Well, I'm out of here. Bye. Poor Lonnie in his red jacket. Love this nice little reflection, and a literal reflection too, because it's on the opposite side of the screen as the iconic shot from 1938, Michael Myers peering out from behind the hedges. Tell you what, that scene in the original was like a formative memory for me, because for some reason, uh, when Annie Brackett goes to talk to Michael Myers and is like, Laurie, he wants to go on a date with you. Man, oh man, I had such a crush on Annie Brackett. I don't know if that actress is uh, still working, but I hope she's doing okay. Uh, also went on to be in The Fog, which uh, being a kid is thinking that The Fog is scary. Being an adult is recognizing that The Fog is John Carpenter's best score. His best score. I mean that. This is a great shot, too. Really scary stuff. Does capture what um, it's like to be a kid in some type of way. Michael Myers really good at getting run directly into. Oh yeah, I forgot, he doesn't run directly into him here. I believe it happens in the 2018 one. Dun, dun, dun. Look at that guy. Great shoes on this kid. Imagine thinking you're about to die and then you wake up and dreamy Jim Cummings is there to save you. so annoying if uh, if uh, you didn't line this up right. But that's your fault. You fucked it up. You know? Really coming to appreciate the direction on this one too. Great use of the silhouette there. A shadow of the gun. Great use of the shot out the window. Sort of representing what uh, Michael Myers would see as these cops are approaching. Let's slide down on my butt here. Oh my ass hurts because I fell down the stairs last night. <laughs> I 
That's why you hire Jim Cummings for deliveries like that. It's kind of wild though. It's like uh, in a couple movies, it's mentioned that Michael Myers eats dogs, and it's like he'll rob a store for Halloween masks. He'll rob a mechanic shop for a jumpsuit. Um, he could easily get his hand on a bag of chips or something, but nah, he's got to eat dogs. I think he actually probably likes dog. It seems to be a thing. Like in the first movie, it's suggested like ah, oh, you know, he uh, he didn't have a didn't have access to a lot of food considering he's a fucking Looney Tune, but. Um, as it continues throughout the series, it seems to be more of a preference thing. Like, the way I enjoy Korean hot pot, uh, Michael Myers enjoys uh, raw raw dog. Ah, raw dog! <laughs> That's a great shot going through the, uh, the uh, banister there. It's evocative of Michael Myers' vision through the mask from the opening scene in 1978's Halloween. I already realized how much more educational this is going to be than my Mission Impossible 2 commentary, which um, I don't remember recording any of because I was absolutely wasted. But uh, got a good response, so shout out to everybody who listened and put up with me and Steven's bullshit. <laughs> I'll use this opportunity to plug Hot Property Podcast, uh, which we just dropped a new episode this week as part of Season 4. Check that out at Hot Property Pod on all the things. Look at that. Michael Myers was standing there so long, he left boot prints. He was apparently walking through an ashtray beforehand. Oh! What were you about to say? Nothing exciting? Because now your head's going through some dry roll, Mr. Cummings. Thunder Road. This guy, James Jude Courtney, who uh, plays Michael Myers now, I think really embodies uh, the the physicality of what Frank Castle brought to it back in the day. Great mask here, too. They really captured the look of the original. Because Meyer's mask is something that, uh... Oh, right in the neck! Michael Meyer's mask is something that has not held up through the years. Uh, some of the later entries, it looks rather silly. Uh, even in H2O, a movie that I love, they switch masks and try to bridge the gap with some really wonky CGI in one shot, and it's uh, it does not look good. Oh no, Jim. Uh, what'd you do, baby Will Patton? You shot your boy in the neck. This is a great touch, too. Uh, in a time where we use CGI to de-age actors and stuff, and it never quite looks there. The shot of uh, Bobo Donald Pleasance here is really nice. Oh, it's so sad. Great blue hue on Cummings here. Look at that arterial pulse. <laughs> Gnarly stuff. I'm a sucker for all those things where like, did we get him? Did we get him? There he is. The only two good cops left, and one of them's dead. I don't trust any of these fuckers. I trust that. Ah, not that guy. It's him. It's Michael Myers. Yeah, right here, the cinematography. Yeah, look at that. That looks just like him. Sounds just like him. And as I understand it, it's all just a good actor and prosthetic makeup. So really, really nicely done. Jim Cummings, more like Jim Goings. <laughs> this part's a little weird to me because it seems as if 
Loomis is never afraid to just pump Michael Myers full of bullets. So it's strange that he would just stop right there. Judy Greer. Andy Matichek. My new crush. Pretty young lady. Very good actress. Anthony Michael Hall. I uh, won $20 once on the strength of Anthony Michael Hall not being the guy uh, from Trainspotting. Uh, the guy from Trainspotting, what is his name? He's the one that doesn't want to do heroin, finally tries it, and then dies of AIDS as a Tommy. Um, let's look him up. Trainspotting. Kevin McKidd plays Tommy, and I was at my buddy's house, and Kevin McKidd showed up in a commercial for some, like, medical TV show or something, and... The, and my friend goes, oh man, Anthony Michael Hall, I'm glad that he's still working. And I said, I don't think that's him. I think that that's Kevin McKidd from uh, Train Spotting. And so he bet me $20 and we looked it up and I was right and I won $20. But then um, it kind of evened out because we ordered a pizza and I just put the $20 back into it because, you know, it was fairly earned, but it felt like ill-gotten gains. This title sequence is a great riff on the original uh, one of the more unsettling things, they did lose the uh, nose hole of the jack-o'-lantern doubling as a knife, but um, the jack-o'-lantern uh, descending into complete flames is uh, real nice. It's a great effect. I would love to go to Mix Bar. So, little extension of that, I'm currently reading the novelization of this movie, Halloween Kills. I really do enjoy horror novelizations. You get insight into some strange stuff, and uh, you get some insight here, that couple there, the nurse and the doctor. He really is a doctor. I don't know if she really is a nurse. Eh, fuck it. You know what? She's probably a doctor, too. But his boss tried to hit on her and uh, inspire a threesome. That's what she was talking about when she told him he needs to stand up to his boss, at least per the novelization. Um, I don't know if that was a detail added by the author, Tim Wagoner, or if it's something that was taken from a portion of the script that didn't make it into here. I feel bad for this guy, because, like, she is right to be upset about that, if that is what happened in the context here. But, uh... He also, he also, like, he needs to stand up for himself to a lot of people, including her. I love Mick. I don't know where they found this guy to play Mick, but he is awesome. And that love lives today thing that you see right there, that's where evil dies tonight comes from, which is fucking so stupid. This guy, Robert Longstreet, one of the best to ever do it. See him a lot in Mike Flanagan movies. Uh, real, real scary in Doctor Sleep, which, um, ready for some more heresy? Doctor Sleep, the uh, sequel to The Shining, I would say, at least the director's cut, is just as good as The Shining, which may be the finest horror movie ever made. Personally, I would have liked to see Anthony Michael Hall do Bird Calls. 
was like, yeah, we all know the story of the Haddonfield Boogeyman, you motherfucker. If somebody came up and told this story at a talent show, even if it's thematically appropriate to the night and the town, I'd be like, fuck off. Do your bird calls, dude. Nice sweater, bitch. Oh, look at that guy. King Geriatric. Very cool that they got uh, uh, the nurse to come back and, um, you know, let's, let's do some uh, crediting of these actors. Kyle Richards, she plays little Lindsay, and Nancy Stevens is Marion, the nurse. I stand by what I said in my review here, though. Even though Anthony Michael Hall plays a ridiculous character, I do think that he understands the ridiculous rid ridiculousness of it, and uh, really goes hard. There's Lindsay Wallace. That's so cool that they got her back. Oh, Annie, R.I.P. chambers Man, and that looks great in 4k now not so interesting piece of trivia Kyle Kyle Richards who plays uh, Lindsay her sister Kim Richards is actually the little girl who gets blasted by a shotgun in the John Carpenter film Assault on Precinct 13 so a lot of uh, scripted trauma in that family and then her half sister is a uh, Kathy Hilton, who is related to the uh, Hilton family, which is pretty cool. You know how all cops are bad until no cops are bad? All firefighters are good. Man. We live in an era where it's very rare to see real stunt performers engaging with real flames because it's just safer to use digital trickery. Um, I, I would imagine this is a mix of both, but it looks fantastic. Like, look at that. That's just... Oh, shit! Through the floor! Oh! That's a great stunt that we just saw. my boy pop that music cue in now here's a part that i actually recognize is different 
from the theatrical cut. He gets one extra swipe. One more. A lot of little spray there. He does the new metal head tilt, as it's called, as uh, made popular by every new metal bassist or guitarist. You know, like Fieldy from Corn. <laughs> Take your hand right off, motherfucker. Oh, shit. I do love, so we've got, you know, a hose for, uh, to, to squelch the flames. We've got axes to move things out of the way. But I do like that this one dude brought, like, a, not a belt sander, but, like, brought, like, a power tool. As if he knew he needed a cool weapon to, to, to be able to go with. Man, look at this badass. He's, like, 65. Gamby. Yeah, this thing, like, it fucking brought a power saw. Like, it's high tension. Man, I don't always love David Gordon Green as a director, but I actually think this is pretty strongly directed, at least on a shot-by-shot -shot basis. Love that. Love that. Yep, right in the mouth. Iconic. Respect, though, for that guy to just be like, fuck it, I got a fucking power saw, I'm gonna take out Michael Myers with it. It backfired, naturally. I've always said that I think that um, this iteration of Laurie Strode, while fun in a vacuum, I think is comparatively inferior to the Laurie Strode that uh, we get in the arc of Halloween, Halloween 2, and H2O. We leave Resurrection out of it because that movie was fucking garbage. But, um, hey, Bracket, your daughter was hot. Um, I feel like the completely traumatized, spent 40 years building up a weapons compound version of Laurie Strode is not very well earned by her experiences in the first movie, which is all that... Uh, that the new arc references. I think if you include part two, it helps to facilitate a better transformation of her into, you know, crazy uh, batten down the hatches, get a whole weapon stash lady. Um, not to minimize trauma, but if you're watching Halloween, she's only even aware that something is amiss for like the last 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, so, you know, it's, it just, again, it, you know, it, I've been traumatized by a bad meal, so I probably shouldn't talk. But uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like ooh, there's some guts. I feel like uh, part two really moves this forward. So I like to pretend that it's still canon. Uh, it still works here. I think uh, the whole idea of it no longer being uh, her brother is whatever. I don't think it makes that much of a difference either way. I think that it would still you know play out the same way. Um, I think eliminating the idea that uh, that uh, Strode and Myers are siblings is something that was kind of done as a novelty just to separate this from the original Laurie arc. Uh, I don't think it functionally changes anything. It's just a strong way of saying, hey, part two doesn't exist, since that's a revelation that came through in part two.
like how some dude, some actor auditioned to just be this naked man on, who's dead on a table. Also, this guy, he's just the mortician who screams. There we go, this little hallway here because the hospital is in a high school or something. She is going to be okay, but Dad, Ray. Toby Huss. What a stupid line. It's funny, in the in the novelization, uh, when that line happens, uh, they mention in her internal monologue that Karen does not know why she says it, but she just does and it feels right. So it like almost apologizes for the wonkiness of that line. <laughs> I, I ship, as the kids say, I ship this couple so hard. So it never even occurred to me, but this woman here is the same character who leads the podcasters from the 2018 Halloween uh, to the graveyard where the headstone had been stolen again. What the fuck was that indeed? I think I have an idea. figure out who this actor is. Uh-oh, it's on. So this actress, her name is Diva Tyler. And she uh, shows up as Mamie in uh, Eastbound and Down which is the obvious connection to this because she's a uh, Danny McBride. Uh... <laughs> I love that line. I have always liked Michael Myers' ability to uh, control someone's entire body with a single hand. Oh, 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 glass in the neck. You gotta respect Michael Myers, though, because he's a guy who likes what he does. They say, do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life, and I think that he is the embodiment of that. He loves it. Oh, this poor lady, she's so scared. What a performance. Yeah, grab that knife. Here we go. Those tomatoes on the cutting board look juicy. There's your drone, which, again, in the novelization is because their daughter is in the military and she flies drones. That's what's mentioned there. He's creative, too. He creates little tableaus. He sees, he sees opportunity in a fluorescent lamp. There's the new metal head tilt. Ooh, ice cold. Love that reflection shot. Ooh, goodness gracious. 
this guy. Now, in the... Uh, once again, in the novelization, he actually gets thrown out onto the front lawn and then comes back in to see what's happening with his wife, and then that's when he gets a belly full of knives here. Man, this shit is uh, cold. Oh, Lenny Clark, that's who it is, duh. Real funny guy. Man, this is some real ass shit. Oof. She's just gotta sit here and watch. Call him a cat. Come watch with me, Stinky. There was a period in my life where I thought I was going to be a ventriloquist. Oh, I love it. They made up with everybody, their friends. Love to see it. She's very pretty. The uh, the wife here, very pretty. Psst, 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 psst. Come here, Stinky. Come watch Halloween with me. You don't get that in other commentary tracks. I wonder if that was purposeful to have Lonnie's son as Bonnie. Bonnie Lonnie. There's that music cue. Boom. Will Patton? Will Patton survive? <laughs> <laughs> a little, a little history of mix bar. I fucking love this Mick guy. He's so good. It's on. One of the more gruesome and cool things from the previous film, the jack-o'-lantern head. Talk about a cab. Uh, here's here's a uh, here's a, a life rule: if a cop or a sheriff wears a cowboy hat, fucking run, because either you're dealing with some like uptight asshole who thinks he's a tough guy, or you're dealing with Walker Texas Ranger. Either way, you are going down. Go get him. Psst, psst, psst. Come here, Stinky. Now, I believe that guy there is dressed as uh, Ben Stiller's character from Mystery Man. I'm very serious. I think that's what it is. The popcorn is zesty. So I imagine maybe they put some Old Bay on it.
very fun that they have, they still avoid showing Meyer's face. Man, I did not like this movie. I love this movie. Which goes to show you, every movie is worthy of watching. Twice. Oh, so here's a fun thing. That kid there that uh, they just showed uh, with the glasses, that's just a high school picture of Bob Odenkirk. This kid is so cool. What a find. That kid is just, his delivery is killer on everything. Bar reminds me of Ott's Tavern in Berlin. I've actually heard uh, that a fun thing to do, a, a little tip for dealing with cops, is that if you uh, put a stethoscope on your shotgun seat and get pulled over, you can sort of gesture at it and let the cop know that you're a medical professional, even if you aren't, and they'll be more hesitant to give you a ticket because, oh shit! Because the last thing that a cop wants is to end up on an operating table with a bullet in his gut and the guy operating on him, uh, you know, got some bullshit ticket from some fat fucking cop and is less inclined to do a good job, which would be a, a break of the Hippocratic Oath. But I got to say, I'm slightly, uh, I won't say I'm in support of it, but I'm not, I'm not moved. Uh, not move <laughs> Look at that shit. Yeah, let's zoom in on Huckleberry. I'm not moved uh, towards empathy towards a uh, government-sponsored. There it is! Evil dies tonight! Tonight, tonight, evil dies tonight! The uh, Carpenter Boys really did a great job updating their, their score. I saw John Carpenter live once at the uh, Trocadero here in Philly, RIP, and um, really a hell of a show, and he said something really funny. He played a couple themes, and then he said, this next, uh, this next set of songs, these are themes to movies that don't exist. These are themes to movies that exist only in your mind. And it was real fucking cool. He gave a great show. The Horror Master, baby. I talk a lot of shit, but I'll tell you what, John Carpenter, one of the best that ever did it. Mad respect for that guy. He's just the coolest. I uh, went to a Q&A with him once and uh, got to ask a question. I forget what it was. But somebody asked John Carpenter, you know, uh, you know what the future of his filmmaking career would be because his last film, The Ward, was many years ago. And he said something that always stuck with me. He said, I've made enough money that I can live out my days smoking cigarettes and watching basketball, which is all I ever wanted. And I gotta say, respect. And he's a gamer, too. And that was quick. I showed this movie to my dad, and he kept saying the same thing over and over. He's not the most uh, thoughtful uh, media analyst. Loves the uh, uh, OAN network. But he kept saying about these people, Don't they know Michael Myers can't be killed? 
The answer being no, but, uh, man, Anthony Michael Hall just fucking chewing up scenery and spitting it out. Love that, the American Gothic setup. Here he is. <laughs> this guy's great. Big John. No weed. Just getting high. And then over here, Little John, the taller of the two, just like putting together a killer charcuterie board. Look what I can do. <laughs> I, can't, I can't ever see Michael McDonald and not think of that. Doris, come sit with me. I'm sorry I yelled at you last night, but you ripped my pants. This is definitely one of the more believable married couples uh, I've ever seen in a horror movie. What a what a great prank by these kids. I do like that. Big John and Little John are nicknames that were arguably given to the Johns by a third person, but they call each other that. So these kids are wearing masks that are based on the uh, based on the silver shamrock masks of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. And what's funny about this is, uh, in the um, novelization, once again, uh, Wagoner has a lot of fun uh, mentioning that. Like, one of the Johns says, like, oh, yeah, those are, like, he has an internal monologue of, like, oh, these are, Hall uh, not Halloween, they're silver shamrock masks. Always wanted one as a kid, but uh, my parents thought they were dangerous. His parents were right, if you've ever seen that movie. But that was a really fun way to tie this into Halloween 3, even as it refuses to tie into Halloween 2 through, what, 8? calls them perverts amazing what a really really good depiction of a married couple and i love that little john is dressed as a pirate and big john is just in his robe you don't give a fuck again i feel like three generations of strode of strode women taking down michael myers would carry so much more weight with halloween 2 included because having michael myers be related to the strode women i think uh strengthens that 
as opposed to the you know and where I like the idea of Michael Myers being you know motiveless and just kind of a you know running towards his home it is a little I don't know it's just it's like okay so three three ladies who are randomly attacked by this dude are there's generational trauma here that's uh trying to oh there's the doctor and uh yeah, you know, the whole generational trauma thing I think is just stronger if he has that reason for targeting them. But, uh, you know, who am I? I'll go fuck myself. That toy on the wall behind her? Man, when you're like six years old and one of those shows up, <laughs> that's a day! I'll never get over that they call grandmother, grandmother. Not my bubula, not nana, nanny, grandma. Grandmother! Grandmother. We live in the sound of music, grandmother. Know the signs of glaucoma. And know the best medicine for glaucoma. I'll give you a hint, it rhymes with weed. This guy's like a like a Bobo Richard Brake. Richard Brake, another guy that uh, when he shows up, a movie can't be all bad. Even a movie like Thirty One, which I did not like, it's the only Rob Zombie movie I dislike. When Richard Brake shows up, he's fantastic in it. Scary as shit. Judy Greer. One of the coolest. Now this motherfucker's gotta give her the bad news. Which sucks. Sorry if you guys hear me chewing. I'm gonna eat some cookies. <laughs> That's a very strange opportunity for a joke, but... It's lively. I feel like her being named Karen might have been purposeful because a third person who's not not into you know not savvy to what's going on she might come across as a Karen she's not a Karen though she's just a mom that cares and whose mom has got a knife in her belly and they've got a killer on their tail it's not like she's complaining that someone told her to wear a mask or something Infected with what? Raj. That lady in the arm sling in the background, she auditioned for that. I do think that there should be a conversation with, uh, with uh, Laurie Strode at some point, where Karen's just like, "Hey, mom, I'm glad that we all, we all escaped Michael Myers, but um, I think it's worth noting that you are mostly responsible for my husband being uh, slaughtered." I agree. That, this is a really like classically done shot. Uh, DGG, D double G, not to be confused with triple D. Uh, he knows what he's doing. 
this is really growing on me. Yeah, little flashbacks to the last movie. The iconic knife. It is funny that all of our slashers do have like a, a weapon that they, they enjoy. Like uh, Jason Voorhees, he'll kill you with anything, but if he can get his hands on a machete, that's that's where the money's at for him. And same with like Michael Myers, he's he'll he'll do anything, but if he can get his hands on a fucking kitchen knife, good night. Yeah, it's very weird. Oh, yeah. Let's walk around that hospital with a bloody knife. Although, I guess you don't really need evidence for this one. It's pretty clear who did it. Although, again, you know, it, anybody can be dressed as Michael Myers at this point because he's, we don't know what his face looks like. Poor Ben Tramer in Halloween 2. You'll remember Ben Tramer was a character named as an afterthought in Halloween 1978 where he... Uh, he was who Laurie was interested in going to the dance with. And then in Halloween 2, he's wearing a similar mask to Michael Myers. And he gets run over by a police car and burned to death. Beautifully done. Beautifully done. It's kind of wild to think. I remember when H2O came out. My dad took me to see it because I was a big fan of the original. And he was a big fan of the original. And it was crazy to think that 20 whole years had passed since the original Halloween. And 20 seems like such a vast amount of time, such a vast expanse of time. And then Halloween 2018 was 20 more years after that. So the experience that my father had watching Halloween and then coming back for H2O, I had watching H2O and then coming back, excuse me, for the 2018 movie. Crazy to think, but 40 years since the original. It's wild. Oh, I switched it up. I was being sexist. She's the doctor. He's the nurse. Duly noted. Gotta mark that bias down. Correct that shit. Which is kind of funny because growing up, my my uh, my care provider, my, my main doctor growing up, shout out Dr. Pettigrew, was a woman and she is the best doctor I've ever had, hands down. She's a Scottish lady. She's a great job taking care of me. My mom switched me to a male doctor. Uh, when I got old enough that they had to start, like, checking your balls and stuff. But frankly, I don't care. None of that matters to me. All that matters is that my balls are safe. And right now they're safe, although I did sit on them the other day. Happens more often now, so I guess my sack's fallen. There's an alternate version of this movie where everybody's a murderer and the donation box says evil dies tonight, and then the townsfolk are running around chanting, Love lives today! Good strategy. <laughs> Sleep with one eye open. Eyes open. Old Huckleberry. go badass Lindsay she's trained because 40 years ago yeah it's right she's like I done been to the range
These little fuckers. It is funny that Michael Myers, you know, jumpsuit, rubber mask, new metal head tilt, he really could be a member of Slipknot. Let me eat this next cookie while uh, some slaughter happens. This is some great score work here, too. Nice! Man, should've kept that candy lady. There we go, nice callback to the original. Nurse, Nurse Marion's original attack. In fact, this whole scene kind of calls back to that first scene where Myers shows up. This is where it really feels like a Jason movie. Even though there's a lot of uh, callbacks to Halloween because the characters in the original Halloween don't actually behave that stupidly. They're, they're all pretty smart. In Jason movies, though, the characters are all idiots. And these characters are all behaving like idiots. Oh, no! New metal head tilt. And you wasted your bullets. Uh, that's gotta suck to be like, oh man, I survived this first killing spree. You would imagine like, oh, I guess I'm in the clear for the rest of my life. And then 40 years later, you get killed by the dude. Oh, knife in the eye. That's a great gore gag. Look at that. Beautifully done. Oh, but she's like, I used a gun before. I know how to do this. And she can't even get two shots within six feet of one another. <laughs> That's a little far-fetched, but I gotta say, quite entertaining. I feel like even Michael's like, oh, damn. I was hoping to choke her. But uh, I guess that works too. Here's an idea. That was why she emptied the candy. Here's a good idea. A slasher who gets his hands on a gun. Probably couldn't make that nowadays, though. Not here in America where mass shootings are as common as weekends. So uh, maybe a guy running around just executing people might be a little uh, insensitive. Not that I give a shit. You know, I would love to see that movie, but it is what it is. It's a shame that it, if it ever happened, the fucking... Dumbass Daily Wire would be the idiots who make it. And I'll say it. I don't care. I, I, well, I think that it's uh, offensive and backwards to assume that every homophobe is actually secretly gay. I do think it applies to Ben Shapiro. That dude is the sparkliest, rainbowiest, most lovinest of cock gay man ever. And he is so deeply closeted. 
it's going to be an earth-shattering event when he finally comes out of the closet. Or dies. Either is fine by me. Yeah. Little Lindsay. Another thing that uh, I gotta give this movie credit for, so often now in the era of digital filmmaking, nighttime shots look like nothing. There's no contrast to them, and it ends up looking dark, and there's like very little art to it. It just you know, never works. These look great. Very high contrast, even though it's low light. Everything looks sharp. There's a great sense of geography. Which I think calls back to the original. Um, now, granted, that was pre-digital era, but uh, Halloween, once the killing starts, once the babysitter murders begin, it is a very low-light movie, but it's one that is never so low-light that you can't tell what's going on. This feels very real. As, uh, as I get older and my parents uh, get older, older, they refuse to accept the fact that uh, an injury has occurred or that they're getting sick. Like, my dad could have both of his arms ripped off by bears, and he'd be like, ah, it's fine, I'm going to go mow the lawn. And we'd be like, you're bleeding out! You were bleeding out! The least you could do is take a break. And he'd be like, ah, that's, that's for liberals. And it's like, just take a break, dude. It's okay, you're 70. You're allowed to chill. You did it. You made it. You're retired. Your kids are adults. You got lovely grandkids. Take a break. No, 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 no. If I, if I don't mow the lawn with no arms, then it proves that I'm worthless. It's like, bro, you're not worthless. I owe my whole life to you, even if you drive me fucking insane. Oh, they're friends. Man, Jamie Lee Curtis, though, like, one of the goats. All time. True Lies is probably my favorite action movie definitely my favorite schwarzenegger movie definitely my favorite james cameron movie and a lot of that is just how wonderful jamie lee curtis is in it the bridge is out she's like yeah thanks he was dead as of 20 minutes ago She's a really good actress. Andy Matichek, really good. Here he is. Bobo Bezra Miller. Whose motorcycle is this? This guy's just running around with his fucking bed. I just know it. Who wins in a fight, Michael Myers or Batman? I think it's Batman. I think it's Batman. So originally, at the end of uh, at the end of uh, Freddy versus Jason, the original scripted ending that was never shot was that after Jason and Freddy go into the lake together to do battle, the water suddenly drains out of the lake and it becomes a pit of fire, and then uh, uh, Pinhead from Hellraiser is like, "Ah, what seems to be the problem, gentlemen?" And we cut to the credits. And then we now have a three-way crossover. 
But from there, there was also the idea that there was going to be a movie called Halloween versus Hellraiser, which, despite the absolutely ridiculous titling convention, is something I would have loved to see. Because Cenobites, they are masochists and sadists all wrapped into one, and Michael Myers is someone who does not feel pain. I think there's something interesting to do there, but I just, I guess, in the, in the world of IP ownership, it's just not something we're apt to see. Oh no. Man, that's gotta suck. Longstreet! I'm gonna get you. <laughs> the buzz cut was definitely a choice, right? The other day I was eating fries and I found myself chanting, eating fries tonight. He's like, you saw his face as if that matters. If you see his face, he loses power. I posted a thing the other day on Twitter. It was like a, a survey as to who would win, Ghostbusters or Freddy Krueger. And it was pretty contentious. It kind of went back and forth. Ghostbusters ultimately won. I think I'm on the side of Ghostbusters. Uh, not for any reason of one being superior to the other, but just for sheer fact of the matter that Freddy has lost by simple way of someone yelling that they don't believe in him. This is a nice little retcon here. I believe this is where it's revealed that uh, he's the father of Karen. dick was big. It filled me up with that sticky cum. I wish we could have gotten shirts where I said I'm a turkey on mine and yours says and I'm the baster. But alas, I was too busy reeling from PTSD. She's like, I wanted to lick your forehead, Mole. <laughs> Jesus. That was for me. Dreamer. R.I.P. Except not. They didn't. An alternate world where everyone named Frank is actually named Spank. There's an alternate universe where everyone named Frank is named Spank. And penises are called penises, and pens are called peens. That's always my favorite thing to get asked by a doctor. They're like, so in one to ten, what's your pain? It's like, fucking ten! If there was anything less, I wouldn't be here. You tell me what my pain level is, you medical professional. I don't know shit. That's my favorite moment in the original film is when uh, Dr. Loomis is just like standing outside of Michael Myers' house for a couple hours. 
And then he scares Lonnie away and is very self-satisfied and entertained for having done so. So great that we got Sheriff Brackett back. Please, this person who's alive and has not been harmed, please rush her to the emergency room. Move all these dead bodies and stabbed people out of the way, please. What's funny is that in the real world, any uh, cowboy hat wearing cop would be totally into street justice. It's a dick wagging contest. What the fuck else is new? Charles Cyphers, that's the actor's name who plays Bracket. She's like, I'm, I'm so sorry, Tommy Doyle, that you've gotten very clearly into cocaine. There's got to be a deleted scene where he's just like railing lines off of his wife's titties or something. Kind of funny though, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, I say this with all due respect, but it's very funny that the Halloween series was a series that she worked very hard to get away from. She was only in Resurrection because she was contractually obligated to show up, and she was like, please just kill me and let these movies go on without me. I, uh, I, I, I can't do this anymore. This is ridiculous. And now she's back and is like the biggest champion. I love it, but it's just very funny. she's stuck in her asshole but it is what it is yes she's gone mad she's losing it
It's funny, like, on Halloween they've decided not to watch a scary movie, but to watch Minnie and Moskowitz. some fucking slaughter I feel bad it's another romance that I ship I talked over that last night I forget if if uh, Will Patton is Karen's dad I don't remember I feel like that was revealed but I don't fucking know whatever it don't matter what is canon what is canon look at that detail over there one of those switches is flipped up and one is switched down Makes sense. Great production design. <laughs> Don't you know whose house this is? I'm Big John. This guy's great. Who is this guy? What's his name? Scott MacArthur. What do I know him from? He's another one, though. Righteous Gemstones. So this is kind of cool that they are populating. Uh, Danny McBride used this opportunity to populate this movie with all of his friends and co-workers. Very cool. And David Gordon Green. I mean, him and Danny McBride go way back. I love it. Big John, being the little, littler one, has little man syndrome, and he's a badass. Hell yeah. Don't fuck with the charcuterie board. You have my axe. You have my sword. Footsteps of steels. Blood on the wall. Kind of jack though, big job. That's an interesting shot. Peeking around like that. I guess this is the point of view of the other escapee from the mental institution. I do love knowing that Halloween night is the one night of the year that you can guess that most American women are dressed as a cat. Or Rosie the Riveter.
This is kind of a weird little side thing in the middle. I guess it works to develop, uh, to develop like what's happening in terms of mob mentality here. I don't think it quite comes together. I don't think it quite properly fuels what what follows after this. But like I said, this movie is filled with people acting dumb. Missed opportunity to have someone in this crowd dressed as Waldo. When I was in Ireland over the summer, I saw a Where's Waldo book, and apparently in Ireland it's not called Where's Waldo, it's called Where's Wally. Everything else is the same. Same design, same author, same everything. His name's just Wally instead of Waldo. Evil dies tonight! Evil dies tonight! Evil dies tonight! That mime is what made me think of Waldo. That'd be funny if he wasn't chanting evil dies tonight if he was just like stuck in a box playing invisible tug of war look what i could do look at that after only a couple of lessons doris you're missing the murder Man, that cat can sleep, but I guess that's all cats. They've really made something nice out of the Myers household. This study is gorgeous. I jokingly called it a study, and then Big John called it a study. Beautiful, beautiful. We're on the same page here. Got that nice crystal collection in the background. Oh, you silly guy. Afraid of his own shadow, like Igor. I actually forget the methodology of how these guys die. I think someone gets thumbs in the eyes. Big fan of. Which, if you haven't seen Barbarian, there is a uh, thumb in the eyes that leads to a splitting of a skull. That, uh, very, very, very worth your time if you haven't seen Barbarian. Oh, armpit stab. That's not how you want to go. Right in the, the jousting weak point. Yep, there it is. Thumbs in the eyes. Love to see it. Although he, he didn't get to see it. Ooh, pulling the eyeballs out too. You're like, that is vintage Jason. That is very much not a Michael Myers MO. Uh, at least if we're just basing this off of the original film. But, uh, you know, I like a guy who develops his craft. Like I said, he never works a day in his life. Oh no, Big John. Man, I'll tell you what, I would rather get stabbed in the mouth or in the balls than in the armpit. Oh, that just makes me uncomfortable. Looking out the window again. Myers versus McDonald. Michael versus Michael. Boo. I do respect a decent off-screen kill, and I think that's one of them. Especially if it's followed by some dude getting thrown into a medical cart. <laughs> Man, this poor guy. He was just moving from a sanitarium to another one, and now he's, like, out on the loose, and the crowd's trying to kill him, and he's just scared and mentally unwell. Poor guy. 
Damn, driving a knee into the doctor. Laurie Strode, not giving a fuck. <laughs> this is this is where the movie gets like kind of ridiculous. I mean, gets ridiculous to the point of it being like eye roll worthy. But I am on board. I think the uh, the sheriff put on a little weight between movies, even though it's the same night. That score hit is beautiful. And I gotta say, listening to this with headphones on, it becomes very clear how good the sound editing is. This, Like, the mix is really fantastic. Sometimes crowd scenes like this can be, like, just cacophony. Oh, that poor guy. R.I.P. Oscar. A little bit of a creep, but when I was his age, I was too. But yeah, there's usually like a cacophony to crowd scenes that, that makes it all rumbly. This is actually quite cleanly mixed. Very well done. It is wild. I, mean, it's, I guess it's arguable as to whether or not it all comes together. But the craft here, you know, on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, is really clean. Very well done. Look at that. A vaccinate before it's too late poster. And this... Does this predate COVID? I think it does. Yeah, it de yeah, it definitely does, because I saw this in the theater. No, I don't remember. Time is a flat circle. Tommy Doyle, unhinged. <laughs> yeah, this gets ridiculous. I do love that, like, the method here is, like, if you got your chance to kill, kill it. <laughs> Gotta love a flashback to a flashback. I wonder if that, if this is something that's only in the extended cut. Because it is a bit extraneous. Although I do like that, uh... I guess it does work as a, as a precursor to uh, the mob violence that ultimately occurs in the last act of this movie. Which is essentially what we're entering here. right broad generalizations in law enforcement they'll save everybody no they won't get a whole bunch of people of color killed no broad generalizations are good no needs to die evil needs to die and when tonight It'd be cool if in Halloween ends, it, like, just, like, breaks out into a full-on, like, kung fu fight. Although, I guess Resurrection did that when Busta Rhymes kung fu fought Michael Myers. Which, uh, oh my god, that movie is just such shit, but 
take it. Although, I will say, credit where it's due, Halloween Resurrection managing to cleanly retcon Michael Myers being beheaded by Laurie at the end of H2O is a... It's a bold choice, and I think that at least functionally it works, and it's done in a very mean-spirited way. The movie crumbles after that, but uh, that moment is, like, whoever came up with that script one, they, they deserve a handshake and a pat on the back. It's like when they were like, we're going to do another sequel. Like, yeah, but they already cut off Michael Myers' head. The writer was like, don't worry. I'll use words and get my way around that. And they did. This poor guy. He's so scared. Although I wonder what he did to get into the sanitarium to begin with. Little music cue there, the bump up, the stalking theme. Just fucking screaming. <laughs> pure rage. Now, she's always wearing a Christmas sweater because they uh, don't do Halloween in her family because of Laurie's history and how she kind of, like, screwed up the family uh, uh, dynamic by being so obsessed with Michael Myers. So her daughter wears a Christmas sweater on Halloween in order to distance herself from it. Nice little choice. Appreciate it. And it, like, silently speaks to the idea that Karen, although she's a normal woman... Mother, wife, you know, just a normal suburban woman has a silent trauma of her own, and it's represented by the sweater. Uh, smart move. Um, I think it's a pretty clever piece of writing there. It also just, you know, adds to the visual palette. This guy. I feel so bad for him, but at the end of the day, him splatting on the ground in a couple seconds, metal as fuck. I love to see it. This is this is a weird moment because it's where Tommy starts to realize that's everything out of everything's out of control. But even though he realizes it, oop, I just farted. Even though he just even though he realizes it, he still does not do anything to bring the volume down for the rest of the movie. He's like, I can't believe we got this man who had nothing to do with it killed. Anyway, evil dies tonight. Ah, back to screaming. guy looks like uh i don't know what he looks like man look at that good night like martin sheen and the padded yeah tommy's like i can't believe it our mob justice killed a man who at least oh gruesome at least insofar as uh as uh tonight's events is innocent we really should get this under control later
the way that that guy's laying there all splattered and limbs broken and stuff is very reminiscent of any time South Park kills someone and goes into hyper gore. So I do get a little chuckle. South Park remains one of the most potent satires in the world. There's been this movement that's like, oh, South Park's alt-right adjacent. Your balls are alt-right adjacent. That movie did, that show, everyone says, oh, it taught a generation of, of boys to be apathetic. First off, it is not a gendered show. And second off, its message is not apathy. Its message is calm the fuck down before you become the exact th- thing that you hate. It's making fun of extremism, generally. But if you talk to Trey Parker and Matt Stone, for the most part, that is all just extra salad dressing. The main meat of it is they just want to do fart jokes. Here's ACAB. Cops are bad. All cops are bad. Because, like, on the one hand, I appreciate that there's some brotherhood here to, uh, you know, because he did make a mistake with good intentions. But on the other hand, qualified immunity and police unions are just a a evil that should die tonight. <laughs> say he has the strength of the man i would say he has the strength of like a hundred men i remember as a kid seeing uh i think it was like halloween five or six was like finally michael myers is unmasked it's like bro he's unmasked in the first one jim cummings what a hunk I wonder if Seymour Castle got a credit for this movie. Posthumous credit. Lots of parallel imagery of people looking out a window and seeing not just what's going on outside, but their own reflections. So they're looking inward as well. You know, hammy, basic level thematics, but, you know, what are we doing here? This is Halloween 400. This is Halloween 3 Part 4. I gotta say, Lonnie's experience, uh, you know, that was retconned in this movie to existing at all, of just him seeing Michael Myers and then and then Michael Myers leaving him alone, that's it's a bit of a stretch. But I guess it's informed by the fact that the Elam family is like a bunch of reformed LSD heads and stuff. None of us are innocent. You took the wrong lesson from it. I'm going to go down swinging. 
my bat named Huckleberry. <laughs> I have a car. I have a bat. And I have a motto. And it goes a little something like this. Evil dies tonight. And now I'm driving without headlights like a fucking moron. Oh, that's Lonnie. He probably can't afford headlights. Go away, Lonnie. Go away from here. At least Ray died doing what he loved. Yo-yoing. You know, I think that uh, Judy Greer does give off like similar vibes as Jamie Lee Curtis. Very believable uh, casting choice to play her daughter. And Andy Matichek as well. Very believable casting choice to play the daughter. I think that this movie, you know despite the characters all being just certifiably stupid, it's extremely well cast across the board. My goal, I'm going to make you guys love this movie by the time we're done here. Although, who am I kidding? You have, you have long since shut it off, and I'm just talking to myself. And my cat. Hi, Stinky! Doris, we're about to see Lonnie die. She doesn't care. She's two fuzzums. Yeah, knock on the door. He'll answer it. Hi, welcome to my house. I'm Michael Myers. My red eye. Yeah, this podcast brought to you by way too much caffeine. It was the only way. This is so fucked up. You said it, Allison. What if instead of Cameron, it was Cameron, the musician? You know, it'd be great if in the background of this movie, a Dangertainment van went by. And then Buster Rhymes is back in the series and they gotta like retcon it again. But the beauty of Halloween is there's, there's, it's like a choose your own adventure at this point. You can do, I mean, arguably the best, uh, the best canon to follow is just Halloween 3 by itself. My favorite is Halloween, Halloween 2, then H2O. I ignore Resurrection. Um, a lot of other people prefer the Halloween, Halloween 2, 4, 5, 6. Which I just saw the producer's cut of six, and while it's still not great, it is a much better cut than the theatrical. And then there's the new one, Halloween, Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. And I gotta say, I like the title Halloween Kills, but it's like Batman Forever, where it just makes no fucking sense. Oh, you shot a jack-o'-lantern! Come on. I made a jack-o'-lantern this year, and I decorated it to be Art the Clown from Terrifier. Last year was Jason, the year before that was Michael Myers, so it's a, uh, you know, I like doing a slash of lantern Oh, R.I.P. Johns.
I wonder if they purposefully kept the sound high on her breathing to relate it to Michael Myers. Oh, I never noticed that he arranged them like the photo. You know what, Michael Myers, say what you will about him, but he is sentimental. Always has been. From his homage to Judith, to the Johns being arranged like their most beloved photo, to attacking Marion by slapping the window, just like he did 40 years before. Nice. Brutally done. Very well-furnished home, too. Very well-furnished. Oh, Cam. It's one of my favorite... I mean, that this does not apply because he actually cocked the gun, but one of my favorite pieces of Foley work in all of film is when someone picks up a gun and for some reason it always goes... When they, just when they pick it up. Or when you pick up a sword and it goes because you lightly picked it up. Uh oh. Stay away from there, Lonnie. He loves to make an entrance. Oh. Big on stomach stabs in this arc. But, like I said, oh, shit. Nice! Yeah, lefties represent. Ooh. What a great stunt. Ooh, and a brutal leg break. She has a good scream. Oh, Cameron. Well, that's what you get for dumping her phone in the cheese in the last movie. Fucking love this little Rube Goldbergian kill. Through the banister. Nice. Using very, oh, similar angles uh, around this staircase that they use in the original. Um, oh, love it. I could probably give you a floor plan of the Myers home because of how well the geography has been established over the years. Cameron is just about done. Yeah, here's where you can tell that, that Myers loves what he does. Because, like, he could have just killed him up there, but he was like, why kill when you can make it into an event? The event being this move right here. Love that scream. Here we go. Ooh! So you don't just want to kill someone, you got to give them an experience. Do, 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 do. Another great music cue from the Carpenter Boys. Man, she's kind of badass. I like that she's going for it. She's like, fuck this guy, I'm going to stick a knife in everybody. <laughs> great scream. Yeah, pitchfork from Karen. Another great scream, too. Good screamers in the Strode clan. This rocks. This straight up just rocks. Stomp the head. Love it. 
Mask off. Alright, so I want to watch this closely because I strongly suspect that Halloween Ends is going to re-embrace the supernatural element that was uh, introduced in The Curse of Michael. Not introduced. I forget how it was done in the original canon, but the Cult of Thorn was responsible for inspiring and the immortal inspiring the the uh, inspiring Michael Myers, but also in resurrecting him. And so this is where I feel like it starts to suggest that maybe there's something supernatural happening too. This is a nice like one-upping from the previous movie when she pulls the oh, I can't do it, and then he shows up, gotcha, motherfucker, and shoots him in the face. It's like, my leg is fucking killing me. This is for Ray, motherfucker. Not the Jamie Foxx movie. The husband. <laughs> Halloween, Halloween, hollow, hollow, Halloween, Halloween, hollow, hollow. Really feels like a real neighborhood. Dig it. And there's the bait, and here's your fate. Gotcha, motherfucker! Evil dies in two years when the next movie comes out. Although, this mob is sort of evil in their own way. And they, they do die tonight. He's like, I recognize the fact that I was in a movie before, and this was a line that I said. This is for you at home. <laughs> now this, I know, is considerably longer than in the theatrical cut. They really leaned into it. Doris, come here, you gotta see this. Why? I gotta say, though, if I survived all of this, I would still be like, you know what, Halloween's a pretty good holiday. We had a couple rough ones, but it is what it is. It's a good holiday. This lady, she is fucking pissed. I don't even know who she is. That guy brought his wrench. Boom. Boom. There's one lady in here who's just got, like, an iron in her hand. Oh. Tiger boy filling him with bullets. Not enough, though. Like my dad said, don't they know he can't be killed? Just pounded on him. World star. World star. They're like, that'll do it. <laughs> nice, Dinky. You come to watch the final battle? Yeah. No, you don't. Oh. You want something done, right? yourself yeah here we go 
they're suggesting supernatural here. Turning your mom's stupid line about your dad back on her. Here comes Bracket. So yeah, I think that I think they are hinting that he is more than human here. Bye bye, Bracket. Got blood in his eye. Oh, you're out of bullets and out of breath. Oh, love an Achilles tendon slice. Yeah, this part I know is very extended. This is where much of the extra footage comes in. And I love every second of it. It's brutal. Little Tommy Doyle, about to get it. essence of water. I mean, in a divided political world, I think that's what they're hinting at here, is how the way that the powers that be divide us in order to keep us conquerable, um, which I agree is something that is happening. Um, they do try to comment on it here, and they just don't really do it that well. But it doesn't matter, because this carnage is so well done, and the lighting is kind of high art. Like, yeah, this is really fantastic. But now you got a knife in the heart, Tommy Doyle. Bye-bye. Blood on the face. So long, Rusty Griswold. Maybe there's a little Michael Myers in all of us. I just hope that Mick gets his bat back. It was very important to him. <sighs> Old Huckleberry's rolling in his grave. He didn't want this. He just wanted to sell shots and fill his Love Lives Today jar. Eh, Cameron sucked anyway. I would give, I would bet good money that Lonnie hit his wife, so maybe we're better off without him too. Karen, Karen, no one gets stabbed in the belly, Karen. He is in all of us. And now she's looking out the window. When I first saw this, I was like, oh, is she going to become a killer? They tried to do that with uh, Jamie in the previous entries, and there he is. See, and that's the thing. So for him showing up there and getting past all of the cops that are hanging out out front, despite being, like, far away, it's almost as if he teleported. 
And I know it's supposed to suggest the omnipresence of evil, but if we take it in a literal plot sense, I do think that they are success, su suggesting some sort of supernaturalia. But what does Halloween do? It kills. And what does Batman do? Forever. Unknown caller? I think I know who it is. It's Halloween. Or no, it's Jamie Lee Curtis. He picks up the breathing. Love it. I'm gonna tap that that phone that's from 1978 now as I understand it some time has passed between the end of this one and the beginning of Halloween ends we'll see how that decision plays out but it is kind of disappointing that this doesn't just all conclude in one evening especially with a pre-credits tag like this love that freeze frame too Halloween kills, kills, Halloween kills, kills. All right, well, there it was. Thank you for listening to me prattle on and on about Halloween kills. I hope that you enjoyed that. I plan to do more commentaries in the future because I love doing this, and it doesn't require subscribing to Zoom uh, in order to cover interviews, although there will be interviews coming up, and there will be future episodes coming up, but um, like classic episodes. And I guess that's pretty much it for this. So uh, hopefully I'll get another episode out in time for Halloween. The Philadelphia Film Festival is coming up in two weeks. So I'll be covering that and you will be hearing a lot about that. So uh, definitely stay tuned for those. And, uh, you know, all that fun stuff. But uh, once again, uh, check out scullyvision.com. That has everything that I do on it. Check out at Movie Movie Cast on all of the things. Please drop me some reviews, uh, some ratings, things like that. Uh, tell me, tell me what you want to hear. You know, heck, if you want to be on the show, come be on the show. Have a good time. Have a good time. Have a good shit. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty much all I got for you today. At Movie Movie on all the at Movie Movie Cast on all the things, and also check out my other podcast, uh, Hot Property, also available on all the things. So. Uh, I think that's it for me. I think that's it for you. Uh, if I don't talk to you before the holiday, happy Halloween. I hope it's a wonderful one. I hope that you get a lot of candy, and I hope that you don't get murdered by a guy who does the new metal head tilt. Love you guys. Thank you so much.